Another command that we're studying tonight is serve one another. And our main idea is that you were saved to serve. You were saved to serve. And so I want to consider three things from this brief passage. Number one, a calling. Number two, a temptation. And number three, a command. So a little context. Uh, the book of Galatians is Paul's first letter after his first missionary journey, and he's trying to help the Galatian church understand that they are saved not by works of the law, but only by grace alone through faith alone. And the book of Galatians kind of pivots or hinges uh, in these verses here uh, from a theological argument towards application. So up until this point, Paul has been making an argument about salvation and justification, about circumcision and freedom, and now he moves towards the application of our freedom from the law because we are saved by grace alone. For you were called to freedom, brothers. So he has proven a theological reality, and now how do we live in light of that reality? Well, Paul says we live in freedom. Freedom from what? Freedom from obligation to fulfill every iota of the law lest we be accursed. We have been called to freedom, and whoever the sun sets free is free indeed. The question is, what will we do with that freedom? According to Paul, there are only two ways to respond, in a fleshly way or a spiritual way. Will we respond to our calling as an opportunity for the flesh or as an opportunity to serve one another? If we're truly free from the law, why then does Paul say we should attempt to fulfill it by loving our neighbor as ourselves? kind of an interesting paradox. But the answer is because we love the lawgiver who has sent his son to save us and to redeem us. Jesus served us to save us, so now we are saved to serve God by serving one another. We serve because we have been set free and are not under the law. We're not trying to earn it. If we make serving a law, we will resent it it will become too heavy a burden to bear. Just do it cannot be the slogan of the Christian. This is not a call to try harder, to do more, be better, serve more, serve better. That would miss the entire point. We serve from love, not for love, meaning we serve one another precisely because we have been served by God. We do not serve one another to earn God's love or his favor. Jesus came to serve sinners and to die for us because we cannot earn his love or his favor. And the paradox of Christian freedom is that we've been set free from the law, yet because of our love for God and his character, we are now motivated to obey the law out of hearts of love and not fear. So now that we've understood our calling, how our calling to freedom should motivate us to serve, let's consider how we might be tempted to use that freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. So number two, a temptation. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. With our new freedom, we have two opportunities or choices ahead of us. Our freedom can be used as an opportunity for the flesh, or it can be used as an opportunity for the Spirit to work in us by serving one another. Just a few verses later, Paul will spell out what the works of the flesh look like. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. And as I thought about this list, 
which is not a comprehensive list, but it, it explains the types of things that uh, the works of the flesh look like, I thought, how much do social media and cable news media provide opportunities for the flesh in these areas? Strife, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions. Sounds a lot like Twitter, doesn't it? My brothers and sisters, who are we allowing to disciple us? And what does the fruit of that discipleship look like? How do your social media habits affect what you think of your fellow image bearers? And after you engage with these things, whether that's Twitter or Facebook or your favorite cable news, your favorite political podcast, do you feel more like serving your brothers and sisters in love or less? Are you more motivated towards prayer or political activism? Are you trusting in the flesh or in the spirit? Verse 15 gives us a warning. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. And so often we get drawn into this very thing. What are some other ways in which our flesh may tempt us away from serving one another in love? How about with our time? Is your schedule so busy chasing something that you don't even have time to serve anyone? Maybe you can justify it because you're trying to advance your career and climb the corporate, financial, or, or political ladder, and that seems like a good thing by itself, but we must be careful that we don't become those along the road to Jericho who are too busy and too important to stop and help someone in need. Are you too busy to serve even your own family? Are you giving so much of your time, your energy, and mental capacity to your work that you have nothing left for your spouse and kids? Are you too busy to have any margin to serve your brothers and sisters at church? Perhaps you should consider what it looks like to have enough margin in your life to serve others. Where sometimes the flesh tempts us just simply by desire. Sometimes we just seek our own comforts. We just don't want to serve other people. We just want to do what we want to do. Well, thank God that Jesus isn't like that. He laid aside all of his comforts when he left the Father's side to come and live amongst us. He was acquainted with suffering and grief. He had no place to lay his head, and he did it all for us so that we might have joy in knowing him and in being restored to right relationship with the Father. Praise God that Christ came to set us free from slavery to sin, including slavery to ourselves and to our own comforts. You see, the flesh would have us serve only when there's something in it for us. Maybe we'll serve when other people will see us or when we'll get recognized or thanked or when we think it'll play out best in our interest in the long term. There's a way to serve others and not be motivated by love. One of the most sobering verses on this is first in 1 Corinthians where Paul says, if I give away all I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. We have to remember that God looks not on the outward appearance as man does, but on the heart. It's possible to serve as an opportunity for the flesh, and this is what looks like outward service, but really it's selfish service. We serve when we have something to gain from it, but not when it costs us more than we receive. But gospel-motivated service allows us to serve in a costly way. We can serve expecting nothing in return. We can serve when there isn't more in it for us, but less because we're doing so motivated by a heart that wants to glorify God and do good for others. The flesh is selfish, but our freedom used in a spiritual way is selfless. 
So now that we've thought about our calling to freedom and the temptation to use it as an opportunity for the flesh, let's look at the command to serve one another through love. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. As we think about serving one another, let's imagine an experience most of us are very familiar with, being served at a restaurant. Think of someone who gives great service. They do it joyfully and attentively. They make sure your needs and requests are met. They're always filling up your water glass, ready to serve you. Why does it feel so good when someone gives you great service? It's because they are loving you like they love themselves. In part, a good waiter or waitress is a shadow of fulfilling the whole law. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We just saw, however, that even in our attempts to serve, the flesh can creep in. And this shows us how much we need God to help us. We need his help so that we could have hearts willing and eager to serve. And we can do that as we look to the great servant, Christ, who used his freedom to serve in love, who even laid down his freedom so that he could serve. Listen to what Paul wrote the Philippians. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. We need humility to do this, so ask God to humble you. We see here the same themes Paul is hitting on in Galatians. We will be tempted in our flesh to use our freedom selfishly and not to serve others. It takes humility to consider others, so pray for that. Pray that God would help you think less of yourself, more of him, and more of the needs of others. Ask God to give you a heart of love to serve one another. Remember that God loves a cheerful giver, and he loves a cheerful servant. So how do we start serving one another? Well, a few things are required. Number one, you have to know one another. And so we can't serve one another unless we know who one another is. So look at your membership directory. These are the people God has called you to one another with. These are the people you're covenanted to serve and love. Number two, you, you've got to know one another's needs. So we need to have intentional relationships. So develop relationships. Ask probing questions. Have meals with each other. Check in on each other throughout the week with a text message, an email, a phone call, meeting up for lunch. And then three, you have to take action towards meeting those needs. This is a bit self-explanatory, but pray, ask for God's help, and then act. And I wanted to encourage you guys on the ways that I think Del Rey is already doing this really well, and I would encourage you to do more and more. I sent an email out a few weeks ago asking for stories, and, and these are some of the ones that um, you all sent me uh, of how you already are serving one another. So I heard about how you watch one another's kids during difficult seasons with new babies, moving to a new house, unpacking. I've heard about how you bring meals to one another in seasons of need. I've heard how you care for families that are going through difficult medical challenges. I've heard of a member who came over to fold laundry for a new mother. I know you give rides to each other, to church, to doctor's appointments, to the airport. I heard stories about friends coming over just to study the word and to pray and to be an encouragement. 
I've been encouraged when people email me that they were praying for me that morning, when people say they're praying through the membership directory, emailing or texting and asking what they can pray for and how they can be an encouragement. Here's some others I thought of. Yeah, you guys disciple one another. That's serving one another. Investing in people outside of your life stage and demographics. We can invest in people who are transient and aren't going to be here for very long, which is costly to us, but it's worth it. You all welcome new members and visitors. You open your homes to them for meals and conversation. And did you notice what all of those examples have in common? None of those were through any formal position or program we have at the church. They're just examples of the church being the church, loving one another. Sometimes people think the only way they can serve the church is through a formal ministry or program, but that's not the case. There are definitely opportunities to serve formally in the church, but just by getting to know people you worship with every Sunday, people who live near you, and learning to love each other well, that's a great way to serve one another. So remember that you were saved to serve. Jesus spent his time serving us through his perfect obedience to God, through his teaching, through healing, and ministering to others. He served us in an ultimate way through his death on the cross for our sins. Satan would provoke our flesh to now abuse the freedom we have for selfish and sinful purposes. Beware of the many ways and many schemes Satan has for the flesh to grab a foothold and undermine our love for one another and our service to one another. Brothers and sisters, you serve one another well, and I want to exhort you to do it all the more. Be creative and zealous in how you serve one another. As our brother Josh preached to us at the last evening service, outdo one another in showing honor. Also, outdo one another in acts of service. Jesus said, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So let's show the watching world that we are disciples of Jesus by how we serve one another. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for saving us. We thank you for sending Christ to live among us, to continually serve us, and to set us free from the power of sin. We thank you for the freedom we have in Christ, and we ask, Lord, that you would keep us from the temptation to use our freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. God, give us love for one another. Give us love, especially for our brothers and sisters here in this church, and help us to serve one another through that love. It's only by your power and your spirit that we can do that. So we ask that you would help us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.